Wilson looking to drive, blows by his man. Right hand layup, good! A head to Adams. Here's a lob. There's the slam! Brady Dick on the throwdown. Welcome to another edition of the Jayhawker Podcast. I am Greg Gurley along with Wayne Simeon and our boss, Travis Goff, uh, the head of Kansas Athletics, our athletic director, Kansas Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Travis, welcome. It's crazy that it's been almost two years since you took over. You came into a situation that I don't know if you knew what was coming, but between transfer portal, having to hire a new football coach, to NIL, to all the different things that you've had to deal with, you're on top for a national title, basketball last year. First of all, welcome to our podcast and uh, just kind of talk about how time has absolutely flown. No, it has. I, one of the great things about never having been an AD and starting a new job is you're inexperienced and haven't done it and you're naive. Yeah. <laughs> so as yeah. I think about two years ago and, and all the dynamics that were out there, NIL was coming down the, the pike, and then we had, of course, uh, conference realignment with OU and Texas's departure soon thereafter. No blueprint for any of that stuff, but that's the good news is nobody any, anywhere in the country had a blueprint for how to navigate it. And so with a great group of people like we have here at KU and with some exceptional institutional leadership and, you know, all of us kind of working together, I think, I think we've navigated this, this stretch well. We've got, you know, we've got good momentum, certainly, and you think about that pinnacle um, just about a year ago down in uh, New Orleans with men's hoops and what that's meant for, for institutionally, community, and far beyond. And then there's so many other great storylines, women's basketball in this run that's happening literally as we speak going into the WNIT championship and on and on. How about that? We're, we're filming this the day after the big win last night against Washington, knowing that we're going to play for the WNIT final on Saturday. Uh, talk about how it all works our coaches and our players have talked so much about how our administration and mainly you have been so supportive of this and kind of how the, the WNIT works. Yeah. So WNIT is, is independent. It's a private entity. It's not part of the NCAA like the men's NIT is, in fact. And so there's a, a, a bidding process um, to, to basically put your best foot forward to try and bring a home game or retain home games at your campus. I, you go back, and Wayne certainly lived this directly, but this team was one game out of the NCAA tournament. So it was a heartbreaker in every sense of the description. I, I don't have the, the, the bracket science, but this we were the first team out of the field, in my estimation. And we're seeing how well they're capable of playing. And they decided they wanted to play in the WNIT. It wasn't... Brandon Schneider. It certainly wasn't us as administration to say, "Oh, we're gonna we're playing the WNIT." They had to decide as a team: did they want to continue to compete? Did they want to fight? Did they want to move forward? And and that's what we've seen as a group that's hungry and committed to going out and winning a championship. Wayne, you can talk better about this than anyone. You've broadcasted all five of the games, and it and it's going to be broadcast on Saturday by CBS Sports Network. But the atmosphere 
and everything within Allen Fieldhouse is so important. The crowds have been great. You look at Travis sitting courtside with his kids. There are so many kids there having a ball. And how much do you think this will, will bring us to the next level next year where we've found new fans in this last month? Yeah, I think it's uh, going to be an incredible uh, catapult for this entire program because all eyes are on them right now uh, from a basketball perspective as it pertains to, to Kansas athletics. And that has never really been the case, you know, up until this point. And so an awesome opportunity for them. It's been great to see the fan base just continue to grow and grow and grow with each game. Uh, the girls and the coaching staff have been so, so appreciative of that. And then, of course, there's a big expectation coming up for this Saturday in hopes to be able to top the attendance record uh, that our women's basketball program experienced all the way back in 2008, 2009 when they hosted a WNIT championship, 16,000. And so uh, hopefully to be able to, to top that and uh, celebrate a win and cut down nets in our own building. But, you know, to Travis, thinking about the atmosphere of Allen Fieldhouse, which we've you know, been able to enjoy from both a men's and women's perspective. Uh, this is something and an environment that we're trying to enhance as well as we just got a chance to release uh, some major renovations that are coming up here. And, and so tell us a little bit about the process and some of the thoughtfulness that goes into wanting to maintain and preserve one of the most tradition-rich buildings in all of athletics but also kind of update it and bring it up to speed for the fan experience. Yeah, yeah you know, as a, as a Jayhawk and a person who's been fortunate to walk this building, going back to my youth as a young guy, didn't get to play like two studs, but, I mean, haven't had that in my blood, so to speak. Even now when I walk in Allen Fieldhouse on game day, I still get that, that, that vibe, that youthful energy. It brings me back to – being a, you know, a young person and the influence it had on my life. And I think a lot of Jayhawks have that feel when they walk in there, especially when it's with 16,299 of your closest friends. And as has been our history, you're watching one of the best products in sport yeah. every night. That's pretty incredibly unique. But what that has kind of created, I think, is for many of us, if not all of us, quite honestly, we've, we've maybe glossed over what some of the, the fan experiential – um, assets need to be. And so that's kind of been our realization, I think, as a department. It's not a new or necessarily profound um, awareness, but I think it's a heightened awareness. Coming off a pandemic, people's ha people have different expectations mm -hmm. of what they want their experience to be in-game, in-venues, premium, concessions, restrooms. And with all the brilliance of Allen Fieldhouse, we fall short in some ways in those realms. And so that's really been the, the emphasis, the focus, we just finished a meeting that I'm, I'm really excited about, which is to really look at accessibility. Allen Fieldhouse has, for a long time, been one of the least accessible venues in the country. And you think about ADA requirements, you think about limited mobility, elevators or a lack thereof. And so we just had a meeting and we're looking at carving out additional ADA space, and that's important. It's 2023. We want to be mindful of all fans and the, the variety of experiences, um, and this is a really tremendously exciting project. I, I can't wait for us to get started. Literally in a matter of weeks, we'll have major activity in Allen, and then over the course of the next 15, 16, 17 months, it's going to be reinvented in a, in a lot of ways, but we're, we're hanging on to the character, the history, the tradition, uh, all the things that matter so much to Jayhawks. You know, for a 65-year-plus-old building, 
We love the way it looks. And, and part of the challenge for you and the architects and everyone is to keep that same feel. Uh, Bill famously said when he got here in 03, played here several times when he was at Oklahoma State, and he goes, the building was kind of tired. And since 03, we've done so much to this yeah. building. And it just takes it about every eight to ten years, you got to do something. So talk about what some of the main things that, that the people, that, that our fans will see this upcoming season and then in phase two. Well, I mean, I think one of the areas in which it begins is right here where we're sitting in Booth Family Hall of Athletics. We're looking out to the east on that front lawn of one of the, again, most incredible um, um, entry points in any venue in sport, right. in my estimation. So it starts with, with certainly looking at um, the entrance into the venue, retail. We've got to be better in the retail and merchandise uh, space, which is where we're going to expand and enhance that from this eastern entry point. Um, every, all three of these concourses are really going to be transformed. And, you know, the concourses are important for obvious reasons, right? How you get in, how you move around, circulation, um, accessibility, et cetera. But the concourses, of course, are, are every other aspect of the non-in-the-bull uh, experience, right. concessions, restrooms, um, meeting points for with friends and family and all those great things. So I think the transformation of the concourse is going to be really important. And again, that includes reinvented concessions, restrooms, making sure that uh, wait times are better, making sure that when we get to that third level, where a lot of people that have accessed their seats from the third level, which is 50% of our patrons in terms of 8,000 seats from the third level, have come down to the second level because there's maybe a little bit better restroom, a little bit better concession experience. So that's a huge part of what we're looking to achieve. Um, premium spaces. So Naismith Room, donor atrium, certainly expansions to be able to accommodate more people, but to really make it a more modernized, premium, pre-game, halftime, and even potentially post-game experience, but not just at the highest donor level. That's where we talk about right. adding the pub. That's where we talk about using ancillary spaces in a better manner. And we really want this to be something where 16,000 people feel the benefit on game day, including our students, not just, you know, certainly our, our high-level donors, of which they will absolutely benefit as well. And in year two is where the inside of Allen Fieldhouse, whether it's the, the video boards, the speakers, right. and the lights, right. that's when that will all happen. Yeah, you got it. Um, we're we're going to mirror the chair backs on the what is the west, west side, side, if I have that right, Greg. Right. Yep. Um, that's that's out there for that part of the phase. And then, of course, new video board. Looking at the corners and in, in in some technology there. So there's vantage points, not just up at the center hung, but also in each of those mm -hmm. two corners, so that everybody's got additional, whether it be um, stats, right? Not just scoreboard, but statistics. Um, those types of things. So uh, it's certainly some you know, impact felt within the bull. Again, lighting, sound system. We know that sound system is desperately right. needed to be replaced. Um, but I would say a majority of it is with the, you know, the other experiential aspects. So it sounds like it's almost a lot of anticipation and excitement for some of the new things that can happen within the concourses, right. but then almost a little bit of a relief for some of the old traditionalists that are like, man, you can't touch the bowl yeah. because we have that thing down to a T. It almost sounds like it's, it's kind of a two-edged sword in that, in that manner. We, we, uh, if we know one thing, it, 
a sh- you can guarantee yourself a, a short tenure if you come in and mess up all the things that make historic Allen Fieldhouse so incredible. And so we, that's, again, long been understood. Athletics has been a great caretaker of this building for decades and decades. And it's our responsibility to continue to do that, but also find ways to enhance the experience. And I think that's what this project achieves. Yeah, and of course, those types of uh, uh, renovations and overhauls, you know, can only be made possible by some very generous generous families that have been involved in that. Uh, So we're so grateful for that type of involvement. But uh, that's not the only project we have going on. If you just go a little bit to the uh, northeast across campus, yeah. uh, we've got uh, some work to be done uh, around our football program. So why don't you give us yeah. uh, kind of a glimpse of, of what's taking place there? You know, you, you said a, a really important factor, uh, Wayne. You emphasize that none of these things can happen without financial support, in this case, philanthropic support. And I would just say this because I don't want to overemphasize it, but it's probably important to note we wouldn't be able to make the investment we're making in Allen that's so so, you know, significantly needed, right, for these incredible basketball programs, um, while also setting our sights on something truly unprecedented and transformational at 11th and Mississippi, if not for the donor support that's making this project happen. In other words, we'd be making some tough decisions, or we'd be dramatically scaling back on either or both of these projects. So um, sometimes it kind of goes unstated, as to how you make these kinds of major investments, and that's important to note. And similarly with the, both David Booth Memorial Stadium, um, Anderson Family Football Complex, and the broader development at 11th and Mississippi, we don't get there if not for incredible philanthropic support from Jayhawks. And we're making really good headway on that in that regard. We're um, uh, be on the verge of being able to share a little bit more concrete plans, which obviously helps our, our supporters understand where we're trying to go. Um, but I'm excited about where we're heading with the Gateway Project. You know, the, a couple maybe core attributes of why that's different this time, why that's going to be successful than other attempts that we've made at the, at the football aspect. I would, I would emphasize maybe a couple things. One, a project of that mag- magnitude doesn't happen if an, unless an entire institution believes in its value. Right. Okay, so if it isn't a chancellor-driven priority that filtrates all the way through his leadership, obviously extends across campus when you think about, you know, the state, when you think about the city of Lawrence, if it isn't of that scale and magnitude, we, we can't achieve the vision we have for that, that area. So I'm so incredibly grateful and I'm so excited about the alignment we have in that regard. It's given us incredible momentum. A lot of the things that have occurred um, are because of that broader kind of shared ownership for the project. And then the other piece works hand-in-hand hand with that, which is absolutely football is, is the, maybe the center point, and it's, it's critical to the viability of this football program going forward. But it extends far beyond that with, with what multi-use opportunities can mean, what economic impact opportunities can truly mean. And those two kind of core tenets – or why this project's different and why this project's on such an exciting trajectory. You know, we talked about you starting this job about two years ago, and there was a, a clear path that you had to follow, and that was hire the right guy. And you went, you went through an exhaustive search and, and hired Lance Leipold, and uh, we saw a lot of progress in year one, but 
how about year two and the timing of what you just talked about and how great the timing is that we had success. Yeah. Three straight sellouts, college game day. You announced the, the football renovation plan right before college game day. There was a buzz, and there still is. We go to the Liberty Bowl. It's one of the best bowl games of the bowl season. So just kind of talk about what Lance and his staff have done to, to spur us on to this project. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it, it, it's a group that had a proven, documented track record of building, right? And, again, you could, you know, well, Whitewater, they won all these national championships. Well, they had to build to get to the point where you can win, win six national championships at D3. And then how do you sustain it? It's a whole different proposition something Bill Self has taught us all for a, quite a long time around here, Crazy. right? In, almost impossible. Right. Uh, and then you go to a Buffalo, you say, well, it's, that's a challenging MAC environment. What does that build look like? And you see that over a sustained time frame. So they showed up in Lawrence with clarity, with confidence, with alignment. And certainly Lance is the tip of that spear at every juncture, but he came with a core staff and a culture and an identity that our place has desperately missed. Yeah. Probably for a lot longer than any of us want to yeah. you know, uh, uh, admit or accept. Not to interrupt, but talk yeah. about the longevity and the continuity of his staff. Yeah. They retained this year, thanks to our administrators and, and what you did with Lance and his staff, but all nine or ten assistants, yeah. correct? That's right. I'm told, I don't know if this is accurate, somebody have to cross-check, it's the first time We've held on to every, both a head coach and yeah. all on-field assistants since 09, 07, somewhere in that yeah. range. And um, that was a common thread upon arrival two years ago is this was a group of young men in this program that had had multiple, upwards of five, six position coaches right. over their four, five-year time frame here. And it, it, that you just aren't going to get there with that kind of revolving door. And so certainly to have now – um, not even yet two years, which is incredible to think about, but having continuity with the staff, having a culture that's ingrained, alignment on, on, on values and what they're trying to achieve. And then there's an accountability in this program that's at a, a whole heightened new level. Um, this past year, ahead of schedule. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to, yeah. to frame it. You know, they've only had one spring ball before they kicked off back in September, August, I guess you'd say, in, in late August. And to being able to do what they did um, is one of the most masterful coaching jobs in recent time in the sport of football. And I'm, I'm so excited about the momentum we carry into this offseason. They're having a great spring, spring ball. They've retained so much of the, the, the team itself, which in this environment yeah. with Transfer Portal, with NIL, is really hard to do. For sure. And that's a huge part of this excitement about what lies ahead for Kansas football. Yeah, this time next week we'll be getting excited and geared up for the Spring Showcase, which is uh, April 7th on uh, Friday at David uh, Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. And so it'll be excited to see those young men take the field and get after it there. And, and uh, pivoting back to uh, kind of some of the, the stadium renovation projects, a lot of people may in their minds want to get straight to that in-game experience, but we're, we're actually starting uh, with some things that are going to directly affect the student-athlete yeah. to help prepare and resource them to keep the momentum that they've experienced these last two years moving forward. So why don't you talk about phase one, what's happening this summer within um, the Anderson Football Com Family Complex that is going to help our, our young men uh, continue yeah. to, to grow and, and, and develop? Yeah, I mean, and, and truly, to, to Lance's credit, this is not something that started back in the, the fall at 
five and zero or you know bull eligibility. This is something that we talked about really since his arrival, which is hey, how can we demonstrate and invest in our current guys' experience at KU? What would what would move the needle? Really make a difference for him? And then how would that, you know, demonstrate our commitment to them and to this program? And so that had long been discussed. And what came out of the fall as we got into the, the, the new year was, hey, we got a chance to address the, the high-level stadium Anderson evolution, which is going to be far beyond these two spaces that I'm going to talk about. But we can also do two spaces this spring and early summer that the guys can live, breathe, sleep in as they get as they report back for fall camp. And so that's what ends up being in essence a brand new locker room for the guys. World class will will rival anything out there, but more importantly be a place for them to call home, place for them to develop, you know, the kind of culture and camaraderie and things that matter so much in a locker room environment. And then of course a, a brand new weight room, which is more than a weight room. And that's uh, one of the great observations that you guys understand so well is what do you think about strength and conditioning coaches? and the things that happen in that space, they're getting bigger, they're getting faster, they're getting stronger, but they're, they're layering on the critical culture aspects of a program. They're, they're uh, building upon accountability. They're growing closer as a group of, in this case, young men. And so those are the two arguably most impactful spaces we could provide them. And when they report in late July, those are going to be finished for them to, to live in. And it's interesting because historically – we know that facilities, mainly training facilities, locker rooms, weight rooms, has yeah. been the, the, the traditional arms race in, in right. college athletics. And maybe people think that within the last several years, it's taken a back seat to you know, NIL and personnel from the portal and in-game experience. But that still remains a very much important priority in terms of keeping programs and departments on a competitive level. Well, to that point, I think what you and I understand, and Travis does as well, they spend 99% of yeah. their time right. in the weight room, in the locker room. So you want to, to your credit, you want to tackle that first because it's yeah. about the student athletes. This is where they're going to hang. This is where they're going to eat. This is right. where they're going to work out. This is where they're going to study. Yep. And the other thing is when Anderson was built 15 years ago, the size of the staffs was significantly less. Now you've got recruiting recruiting offices with multiple people you got analysts i mean the staffs have grown by what do you think 15 to 20 people and yeah, we simply least. just yeah, didn't have the space right yep i think that's that's all absolutely spot on um and all those things matter and, and are, are critical so I'm, I'm just excited that we can do something immediate and it also fit and and, and be aligned with the broader vision of what we're going to do over there on that site you know another area as we pivot back to basketball the the men's basketball offices and kind of the entrance to Wagner where everybody mm -hmm. walks in right. to up the spiral staircase to your office. That'll get a, a facelift as well. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a, a one of the front porches of Kansas athletics or a front entry point into Kansas athletics. And I think it's important for it to reflect the excellence that is the University of Kansas and, and, and Kansas athletics. And so that's that's a little bit about that Wagner investment to where it could be recruit certainly we want that to be a great entry point for recruits we want it to be a place of an entry point of pride for our current student athletes we want it to be a place where we can proudly host donors sponsors people that are going to invest into our programs and so that's uh, some of the thought process not big big dollars being thrown at it doesn't need it but it's certainly in a chance to refine and modernize and make make some of that space more functional 
Man, and so with developments of this type of magnitude, like it's a heavy lift, and it's not just about one person doing it. It's not just about coaches and, and on the field and on the court success, but it really seems like it's a call to all Jayhawks to really be involved right. at this. You know, of course, you've got, you know, key donors that, that give significant amount of resources to help this, but it also is important for a season ticket holder. It's also important for, you know, annual fund folks that are giving, you know, $50, $200, right. $500 a month or right. a year or whatever. So, like, talk about how much it's going to take all of us to be able to help kind of be a, be a big swell in terms yeah. of seeing these, these things come to fruition. I, lo- I love that, that question and something you, you both live every day with the way you're engaging with our supporters. I, w- I would try and frame it this way. Um, having been away from KU for 17 years before coming back, you know, even me uh, working in college athletics and having a lens on development in particular, you know, it, it, there's a sentiment, and some of which is very accurate, at least historically, that there's maybe only one way to really support Kansas athletics, or a couple ways, right? Season tickets, gift to the Williams Fund. In our case, historically, those have oftentimes been tethered together. Yep. Is that fair to say? Sure. What, what's occurred uh, uh, for all of us, right, is to find ways to make sure that every Jayhawk can make a difference, can move the needle for this department, and, and we've expanded upon that significant over the last couple years, right? We now have um, Ad Astra Society. That could be for a supporter who doesn't want or need season tickets. They may live out of the way, or they may come to a couple games a year. Excellent. No problem. Make a gift. Support this effort to invest in our student-athletes. That's a little bit about that philanthropic annual giving program. Certainly, the Williams Fund giving continues to be an incredibly important kind of lifeblood for the organization. Um, season tickets matter more than ever. By the way, the last time I heard, we have season tickets available in this building, That's right. in Allen Fieldhouse. A lot of people maybe don't understand that. When we obviously open up a reinvented David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium, that's going to be an incredible new opportunity for Jayhawks, not just here in, in Lawrence or Northeast Kansas or regionally here, but across the country to come and experience what we think will be one of the finest football game days in the country, hands down. And then the, the last one is NIL. And you don't have to be local to this uh, uh, region, so to speak. NIL is making a bigger difference than I think even the, the, the headlines are indicating. We're hearing so many great success stories about how our young men and young women are utilizing this, these new resources to make a difference right? Make a difference in their own lives as they look forward, um, and certainly in their families' lives, giving back to nonprofits. So uh, we're excited about what NIL's doing, and there's a chance for anybody and everybody to make a difference in that space. Well, to back it up with some numbers, you know, here at Kansas, we have uh, uh, about 5,000 donors, which is, is low, but they're unbelievably generous. Like, we're, we're near the top of the Big 12 in annual dollars raised with a low amount of people and there's so much opportunity right and and primarily football driven which we saw last year with the three straight sellouts right if you win they will come we've got a ton of capacity over there and ways for everybody to help like you said it's fifty dollars a hundred dollars five hundred dollars we need our numbers up yeah more than anything and 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 we need the big ones we need the middle one we need we need them all right and it's 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 something that we have uh, such a loyal fan base and a fairly lowly populated state mm-hmm. but the generosity of our donors is, is unparalleled yeah no they're, they're the best I mean our our supporters 
have long demonstrated a, a level of loyalty and generosity that I, I think, again, I think it rivals any place in the country and might be at the very top. But your point, Greg, is, is spot on. We're a pretty good-sized state institution with hundreds of thousands of alumni and hundreds of thousands of people who love KU, love the Jayhawk, love our athletic programs. It's going to take everybody. And I would just say this with as much uh, uh, um, humility and, and gratitude as I can, which is to say if you're a Jayhawk and you believe in the value of athletics, right, yeah. what it does for an institution, driving enrollment, driving economy in, in, on our campus, in Lawrence, regionally, the way it represents our brand so well, the way, it make, the way in which it makes that Jayhawk so prominent across the world, it is no longer enough just to wear the pullover or the polo or show up occasionally at a game. You're not, there's, a, there's a desperate need for more Jayhawks to step forward and be part of what we're building here. So if you're watching this podcast in Seattle, Southern California, Chicago, New York, Singapore, wherever, we're going to put a little QR code up on our screen, take a picture of it, go to our website, Williams Fund, Kansas Athletic Development, Call Wayne, call me. We need everybody to get involved. Everybody that has watched Kansas Athletics as a student, on television, whatever, and have enjoyed it, give back. And again, it doesn't have to be a million dollars. We just need more people to get involved. Yeah, it's participation in whatever level and whatever manner people can manage. And again, whether it be NIL, whether it be an annual gift, whether it be buying a ticket package, that stuff matters. Whether it be getting to Allen Fieldhouse this Saturday, yeah, 4.30, yeah. And, and having no excuse why we don't have close to a full house, if not a full house in here. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Those, uh, those ladies deserve that. And, you know, as we're, we're wrapping up a basketball season, uh, hopefully cutting down nets in our own building coming up this Saturday, we see the excitement of football on horizon. But we've got a very, very special a uh, historic event coming up here in a few weeks yeah. in the Kansas Relays, which has been on pause uh, for a few years. But that was one of the things that you resolved uh, once you got started here was that when we brought the Kansas Relays back, that it would be the best ever. And so uh, give us a quick highlight in terms of yeah. your thoughts and priority of that event and what people can expect. And we're going to have uh, Tim Byers on, who's the, the, the Relays director awesome. uh, next week. Yeah. Uh, but, but tell us a little bit about why that is a priority for you and uh, making sure that that's uh, the best that it has been yeah. in, in years. Well, I mean, I, I really think of it as Kansas Relays is one of the great assets that the University of Kansas has, has held for – long time. I mean, it started in 1923. Some of the all-time greatest athletes in sport. It was my first Kansas athletics was event a, that I've ever been point? to. Was it yeah. a basketball game? Yeah, yeah. Was it wasn't a football yeah. game? It was it was a relay. Absolutely. And you hear you hear countless stories of that being the initial exposure to the University of Kansas. And you could just only fathom what that's meant for our place. How many students has that driven to the University of Kansas? Not 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 student athletes but literally just exposed young people and their families to this great place here in this amazing community. And that's been generations of occurrences, certainly from a, a, a student athlete, a current student athlete perspective for our track and field athletes, it's off the charts. One of the great events in track and field, and we can host it right here. So we should do that for those young men and young women, recruiting 
the next generation of Jayhawks to those programs. It's really impactful. And then there's some newfound awareness about what it does both with community relations in Lawrence and far beyond, but also, again, with, with economic viability. I mean, you're talking about driving thousands of people to Lawrence, to our community to engage, um, discover in a way that otherwise they might not have. And so we're really excited about it. We, it did kind of go on hold. Pandemic caused some disruption, certainly. And I don't know if it's been a year or 15 months or whatever juncture, there's this profound, um, energetic, energetic, enthusiastic recommitment to, in some, to some extent, re-envisioning the relays, but to, to holding true to something that's really meant a lot to so many people. Well, not to mention the facilities out there at Rock Chalk yeah, Park beautiful. are amazing. I mean, we're so fortunate that, and it doesn't, we don't talk about it as much because it's a little bit out there, but it's tennis, soccer, softball, and the track facility is, is one of the best in the country. Right. And right. we'll be able to showcase that at the Kansas Relays and everything that's around it. You got it. Yep, absolutely. Another exciting moment out there this spring. Before we uh, wrap it up, I want to thank uh, one of our great sponsors, the President Hotel, the Hilton Downtown, Phillips Trinod. Give him a call. Stay and play packages hundreds of feet away from the Power and Light District and the T-Mobile Center. It was the team hotel for the Big 12 tournament. And uh, check out the Hilton President Hotel downtown, great sponsor of ours, here on the Jayhawker podcast. So Saturday, got the women's NIT final, got the spring showcase next Friday night before that. We're going to put a bow on the Big 12 champion yeah. basketball team, which, uh, you know, obviously it was a frustrating and disappointing end to our season as a one seed, losing to Arkansas. But, but I just don't think we talk enough about how impressive Bill Self and his staff are with what we lost. I mean, we look around the country and we see the unanimous preseason number one team yeah. not make the tournament and right. a team we play that had four or five starters back. And every year we reload and we come back and we win the toughest league in the country. Granted, we don't have anyone in the final four, but throughout the year, yeah. that was it. We won it going away. Didn't share it with anybody. And, and now we're at a point where Bill Self and his staff are going to have to reload once again, we're losing our three main guys in Grady. Uh, well, more than likely Grady, Kevin, and Jalen Wilson that had unbelievable years. But kind of recap the season for us. Talk about how special it was to see Jalen Wilson step up as a player, as a man, the yeah. adversity that he put himself in, right. other things that went on, and how he handled himself and how he propelled us to be Big 12 champs. Well, I, I think it's it's – really a, a incredible story and it says so much about the kind of man Jalen Wilson is right he he could have gone we all understand that could have gone and probably done great things and and been making noise at the highest level of, of his sport he decided not just to come back and refine his craft on the court he decided to come back and make a bigger difference than that be a leader represent our university at the, at the highest level right literally I think right. In so many ways, he's done that so unbelievably well. His journey and that evolution and the development on and off the court, the maturity, the leadership, um, the selflessness. I mean, that's a generous, selfless yeah. person. You right? mentioned it earlier. How many times have we been at a charity event and our guys, you spoke of NIL. Yeah. yeah. Jalen kind of led the charge. And granted, they're, they're making money and doing sure. well. But they've given back. 
It's a local charity. That's right. Out of their out of their own, out pocket. their own pockets. And and really the the first year and a half of having the ability to earn money that they that they warrant that they deserve. Right. right. Jalen's leading the charge and turning around and giving that back to to needy to to people in need, quite frankly. So you know the Jalen storyline. At the end of the day, watching this conference night in and night out, being at home, going on the road, and recognizing the greatness that is in the Big Twelve, and realizing this was a group just coming off of a national championship, replacing sixty whatever percent of the production, and coming back and winning this conference was was unbelievable. And honestly, probably only at KU. Could we ever like gloss over that kind of achievement, <laughs> yeah. right? I yeah, mean, we're it's spoiled. absurd yeah. to think that that's not really maybe the first of this discussion, the end of this discussion. But that's the that's the level of program that Bill has built upon twenty years Crazy. now, where Big Twelve championship absolutely matters. But we all know that ultimately the goal is greater than that with and, Kansas basketball. And with those departures, and obviously some of the impending transfers. Uh, I got people that are like, what are we going to do? And I said, okay, we got a 20-year sample size of this dude figuring it out. What makes you think he won't figure it out moving forward is the question yeah. that I throw right back at him, and they kind of look at me dumbfounded like, eh, yeah, that's a pretty good you're point. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty good <laughs> yeah. point. You're in and you're like, out. Why, why wouldn't we trust our staff? Yeah. We talked about the football continuity and longevity. You look at Curtis Townsend's been here for with Bill 19 of his 20 years. Norm was away for a bit, but it's been yep. back for over 10 years. Joe Dooley's back. So right. the, the, it shows you the success you can have when you have good people yep. working with you for long periods of time. Yeah, and I, I'd, I'd even add to that, just bragging on, on Jay Will a little bit, as you uh, maybe feel a little bit of the disappointment because the team isn't uh, representing at the Final Four, but actually Jay Will is down there because he's still a candidate for several National Player of the Year awards, uh, which are which are within reach. You know, he yeah. just recently claimed you know the Julius Irving Award, which is the top small forward uh, award in the country. Which and, is, and none of the other Player of the Year candidates are there because you look at the Zach Eadies and playing, the Sassers, yeah. and, yeah. and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so no it, it's out yeah. there. Yeah, it's out there, and so you know maybe it's one, maybe it's you know all of them. But uh, that's well within reach. And so I know there's some online voting that's still going on out yeah. there. And there's something oh. that we can still uh, support and take a lot of pride in throughout this Final Four weekend that we still have uh, Jayhawk representing as well there and, and Jalen Wilson. How about moving forward? We're going to see something entirely different next year, at least added on with four new yeah. league members. It's going to start, obviously, in football as we, you know, I think we're playing three of the four. That's right. Yep. So everybody except for Houston. How, how has that impacted what you do and how much uh, – just talk a little bit about the transition as we move into yeah. the Big 12 next year and then two years from now how it will be different. Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it kind of feels like old news with the exception that they haven't played in our league yet. Right. They've long been talked about now. It's probably been – Gosh, year and a half or so since those additions were made, even more than that. And uh, we've had those ADs uh, on our Big 12 calls for since that since that moment. So we've had a chance to get to know them. We're excited about what they what they bring to the league, which is high level competitiveness right out of the gates. All four of them, literally, yeah. right, and almost across the board in their programs, um, in the way they're investing in their programs to be better prepared for this level of of intercollegiate athletics. So we're we're adding the real deal with these four institutions and programs, you know, the footprint expansion, I think is exciting. College athletics has gone that direction, right? It is more of a national reach. 
even within conferences that have been more regionalized. And so the Big 12 has proven it's not going to sit idle. It's not going to, you know, uh, uh, rely too much on historical or tradition. It's going to be more progressive league under Brett Yormark and his leadership. And I'm excited about where the conference is going. I'm excited for this next year to have those four additions. And we're going into three new states and then the biggest city in Texas with Houston. Yeah. So right. a lot of the eyes are going to be on the Big 12 that normally aren't. You know, you right. got Florida and you got Texas and obviously Utah and Ohio. So it'll be a very interesting uh, – travel's going to be inter- – everything's going to be different. But I, right. but I think it was it, – it, Four great additions and uh, possibly more to come. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on any of it <laughs> in yeah. college athletics. Who, who knows where it all goes if it weren't to happen in our league right now or other leagues right now. Um, it, won't be, it won't be long before you know, there's some shifting again out there. That's just the nature of, of intercollegiate athletics. Final thoughts, big guy? I will say a final thought just in terms of conference realignment. I did have a chance to spend some time on, on the UCF campus uh, down there um, in the fall, and it's interesting how excited they are to be a part yeah. of the Big 12. And I yeah. think, you know, as the years have gone by and conference realignment, I know fans, and I've even been guilty of this, of maybe playing the comparison game and looking at other conferences, yeah. maybe bigger, maybe, you know, more notable, maybe conference revenue shares a little bit a little bit better and maybe longing and yearning, man, I wish we had that. But now thinking about the state of the Big 12 as it is under, under new leadership and with these new additions, like we still have a, a very, very valuable product that great institutions across the country want to be a part of. Absolutely. And, uh, and we're a staple in that yeah. product with yeah. the brand that we have uh, both basketball and growing uh, football-wise as well. So there's a lot to be confident in and to be excited about with uh, not only Kansas Athletics, but also the state of the Big 12, Big 12 Conference. Well, we, we've long associated University of Kansas and Kansas Athletics as a leader in the Big 12, right? It isn't taking Texas and OU's departure for us to feel even more strongly about that, but there's also this opportunity that's right in front of us. Why shouldn't the University of Kansas be the leader in this conference? In multiple programs, as a, as a healthy, vibrant athletic department, as an incredible institution that we're tethered to, that's growing with enrollment, that's academically getting better, it's an AAU and a research one institution. So um, in that regard, uh, a lot of people talk about other conferences, which we can all understand and relate to, but we got to be the best of what we are. And we're, we're not there as a department. We're not there across the board in our programs. And that's the opportunity at hand. That's the challenge at hand. And in so many ways, it goes back to we need everybody to come be part of building that here. Well, I tell you what we do have here. We got great leadership at the three heads of department. You got a great chancellor. You got Heath Peterson at, at the Alumni Association and Travis Koff running our athletic program. And all three of those men are aligned. You talked yep. about Chancellor Gerard. I mean, I watched you last night. He's sitting there with you courtside at the game, and he's an He's an athletics guy, yep. and he loves it. And it's so important to have uh, a chancellor that loves right. athletics and understands right. that athletics is sometimes the the door, you know, the front door yeah, to the university, is. right? He and it just set aside the fact that he loves sport, right? Put all that emotional stuff aside. He describes it better and believes it probably more than anyone that athletics has long driven so much of the value proposition for our university has long brought countless 
of students to this campus sure. has has long cemented that that Jayhawk means something coast to coast and across the globe. And he's embraced that in a manner I don't think anybody in our history has. And that's why this investment, these projects matter more than ever. Uh, one to add, which is KU Endowment. You got Dan Martin, new president right. there, Jerome Davies, longstanding leader. And uh, Kristen, in the way our development operations align now, is, is partners with KU Endowment. I, I just couldn't feel better. I could talk about the provost, Barb Bicklemeyer, Tamara Durham, across this campus, yeah. the alignment, the leadership, and the desire to move KU forward selflessly. It's like set aside your own units, priorities, or needs. What's, what's most important? What's going to make the best and biggest difference for KU? That's how our institution is being driven, and, and I'm, I'm proud of athletics for really believing and embracing, embracing that. It's a great time to be a Jayhawk. Dub and I have been talking about having you on for a while, so I appreciate your time. We've been kind of ingrained in basketball, so we ought to make this at least, what do you think, twice a year? So maybe, maybe as we preview football and some of those projects are being done here and over at Anderson, we'll get you back we'll on. Lot, we'll we, have we, a lot more to share on that for sure. We'll see the before pictures that you're going to see during this podcast, and then we'll show the after. Love it. Love it, but uh, and I'm a, if you guys want to do it again tomorrow, I'll, I'll make you want to do it again. I'm a, I'll make Are we out of stuff to talk I mean, about? If, if it's only a two time we, a year thing, then that's fine. But I just said that. I mean, I it mean, could be as I mean. I you're thought kind it was going to be weekly, but you're kind of in charge. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> we can talk about your your favorite foods, favorite movies. We can get into all kinds of stuff. Uh, this will be a short lived podcast. Jeez, boys, jeez. That's I shouldn't have said. Twi- <laughs> but it was Wayne who suggested only twice couple, a year. A couple of I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger, but guys, appreciate. Appreciate uh, what you guys do. Love Thank where you. we're at. Appreciate you coming on. This is the Jayhawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Spring Showcase next Friday. Basketball banquet. Kansas Relays in a couple weeks. Big time atmosphere here on Saturday. If you haven't bought tickets, call the KU ticket office and show up on Saturday, 430 versus Columbia. Wayne will actually be able to be a fan and not have to work. It might be kind of weird to, to watch it after you've called yeah, all five of them. But let's, let's cut down some nets on Saturday. Let's fill Allen Fieldhouse. This is the Jayhawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Rock Chop.